Okay, now we are recording. So let's pray, and then we're going to talk about loving our husbands. Father, I thank you so much that we can uh, have this time set apart to focus on you, to focus on your word, and to focus on how you want to work in our lives, specifically today in the area of loving our husbands. And I just pray, Father, that you would open our hearts to understand the truth that's in your word. I pray for clear communication. I pray that you would uh, meet needs and that you would uh, just pre be presented accurately and clearly in the kind of God you are and the involvement you want to have in our lives. I pray, Father, that um, you would give us a desire to grow closer to you Help us to figure out um, how to order our days in a way that will honor you. And um, Father, we just pray and thank you for how faithful you are and how you meet us where we are. You understand our situations, our needs, and the demands that are put upon us. And you, um, and you desire to make yourself known to us in a special way. And so I thank you that you do that for us. And I thank you that you are always good and that things you desire to teach us are good. So um, we appreciate the opportunity we have to learn from you today, Father. And just pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So we are in Titus 2, verses 3 through 5 again. We are actually... Um, Moving ahead, we are in verse 4, where it says older women, which is what we have been talking about, um, are, is to, are to be all of these different, uh, have all these different character qualities and do these things so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands. And I think we've talked about this before, but the word encourage literally means to put courage into so I think it's interesting that uh, the Holy Spirit in this passage is talking about us putting courage into other women so that we can um, live the kind of lives that honor God even in the midst of a world that is, does not have that as its goal. So um, it's an encouragement for me to see how God empowers us to do what he wants us to do. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about what it means to love our husbands. Um, and by the way, another translation for the word encourage is train. So it's talking about practical application so that we can grow in a particular direction. So that's what we are heading for. Um, we are going to be talking about some practical applications to how we can grow in the whole area of loving our husbands. Um, okay, so, and you do have the notes up here on the screen, and like I said, they've also been emailed to you. Um, so, uh, we are probably going to cover it. This is probably going to be broken down into two sessions. So we will start out today and then see how far we get, but may do the second half of it next week. Okay. The first requirement 
in order to truly love our husbands is to love God. It says in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. So God is the originator of love, and we know that his love is selfless, is other-directed, is not self-seeking. Um, so that's the kind of love God wants us to have for our husbands, but we have to first love him and cultivate our relationship with him in order to love our husbands in the way he intends us to. It's not talking about romantic love, although that's a part of it, but we are talking about the kind of love that endures and grows and uh, makes us more like God. And um, in our relationships with our husbands, as we grow closer to them and as we learn to love them the way God wants us to, um, we will change. God will work in our hearts and change us and he will change them and he will bring us closer and he will make each of us more like himself. But first we have to have that commitment to love God. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with thanksgiving. I memorized that in a different translation than the, the one up on the screen, but the thoughts are the same. That just like a plant in the garden needs daily care to grow strong and produce fruit, we need to give daily tending to our relationship with God to be spiritually healthy ourselves and to lead spiritually productive lives in terms of how we influence others. We do not want to be cut flowers, but rooted. Because I go out in my garden and cut some flowers to bring into the house and we enjoy them for several days, put them in a vase of water and they will last and they're pretty, they add color but they don't live for very long because they've been cut off from their root. So in the same way, when we are rooted in our relationship with God, we are going to grow and bloom and um, develop into the kind of women that God wants us to be and the kind of wives that God wants us to be. So that's the first prerequisite to loving our husbands is to love God. And that means spending time with him daily. And I know um, several of you are expecting babies. I think we have three or four ladies in our group who are expecting babies in the next weeks. Um, four, I count four. And uh, when you, whether you have other children or not, when you are pregnant, you are dealing with uh, fatigue, you are dealing with your body changing, whether or not you have given it permission to change, it just does that on its own. I watched my waistline totally disappear four times um, as the baby grew. And uh, uh, so it, it's a challenge and having young children or even not so young children is a challenge because of the responsibilities you have to care for them. It's a challenge to have any time to spend in your relationship with God. But as we figure out a way to do that, God will really reward us. Um, and um, we need that time in the scripture. That's our nourishment. That's our spiritual food. So I would encourage you to do that and know 
that if you want to really love your husband, it's going to start with your relationship with God first. Um, as we develop this relationship, we change and our perspective on life changes. I used to think that if I missed my quiet time one day, I would have a horrible day because um, God would find a way to f punish me. But I realized that that is not what Scripture teaches. Um, Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I don't have to do anything to prove myself to God, because He loved me while I was a sinner, before I acknowledged Him, before I even knew that He existed, while I had my back turned on Him, while I was going my own independent way. He loved me. So we don't have to prove ourselves, and He's not going to punish us if we miss having that daily time with Him. But... Um, if it becomes a habit, then we are missing out on that, on that, uh, tending that relationship. And we will not thrive to the same degree that we will if we are spending time daily with them. So, I think I mentioned last week, I can, I can remember nursing my baby in the dark. And uh, I couldn't read my Bible because the, it needed to stay too dark to be able to read in order for the baby to be quiet uh, and be able to nurse and then go back to sleep. But um, I did go through scripture in my mind that I had memorized, and I sang hymns which have uh, scripture in them and prayed and just did whatever I could in order to have that time with the Lord while I was nursing that baby and spending that, that uh, really special time with my child when they were small. Um, so figure out a way to include that in your daily schedule. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Um, All of this is a process. I've got two verses of Scripture on here. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Romans 12.2. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about being, uh, becoming more and more like Him, being changed by degrees. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to be careful that we don't just adjust our standards to be a little bit better than the world's standards without following God's standards wholeheartedly. In other words, not coming up with my own set of standards that are better than the world's, but finding out what God's standards are and giving myself to them. For instance, I might not consider divorce an option in my marriage, but am I committed to loving my husband and serving him as a priority? That means a priority over my schedule, a priority even over my children, because one day your children will grow up and leave home, but you will be married to your husband for the rest of your life. So you want to be developing that relationship with him. Above my own interests, um, it would be hypocritical for me to say that 
a woman should not work outside the home because I did. I stayed home with my children until the youngest was in school all day. Um, and we made the financial sacrifices in order to make that possible. But my own father died when I was 11 and my mother had to go to work to support the family. So there are instances where financially it is just a necessity. Or there are instances where you can uh, stay at home while, while your children are small. But as soon as my children were in school and we could see that um, we uh, needed more income in order to care for them properly, um, I did go back to teaching and taught for 15 years. Um, and resigned my job so that we could, I could be available to go with my husband on the mission field. But I did choose a job that allowed me to still keep my home and family a priority. I turned down a couple of jobs that would have involved working late nights and on the weekends and uh, took a job teaching school, which meant that I had the same uh, vacation time as my children even though it didn't pay as much, it uh, just suited our family's needs better. So, um, we want to seek to follow God's standards and apply them to our own situations. And um, John encouraged me, actually signed me up initially to be a substitute teacher in our children's school. Um, because we felt like uh, me working was a, a need for our family. So it was something that we talked about and decided on together before I went into it. But um, the home and family still needed to stay a priority. That's what I'm trying to say in all this. Okay. So let me check my notes and see. Um, so the question then is, how do you do this? What does it mean to truly love my husband as God intends? We start out with loving God first, but what's the next step? Some of these things we have talked about to get a, before, but I want to revisit them and um, talk about them in relationship to this specifically, um, what it means to love our husbands. And... Uh, maybe some specific application on how we can do that. Um, let's see, Lana, can you look up Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 and 24, those three, since they're right together? We'll look at them one at a time. Well, no, we'll look at them all together and then talk about it. But that would be a help, please. Sure. Um, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay, thank you. The Greek word for submit here, and sometimes it's used sub be subject, but it's the same... Um, same idea. The Greek word here that's used is hupotasso, which is used 40 different times in the Greek New Testament. 
not always in relationship to uh, husband-wife relationships. It's used in 1 Corinthians 15, 27 to describe Christ reigning after his resurrection. It says, for he has put all things in subjection under his feet. So it's a very specific word. It was a common military term, which means to rank under. Okay? So there's no mistaking what the word means. Um, wives are to live under the authority of their husbands. This is God's plan for order in the family. Let me move the notes up a little bit. It has nothing to do with value or the worth or abilities of women. That is a lie from Satan. It totally has to do with God's plan for order of the family. Um, and if you look at Galatians 3, 27 and 28, it states very clearly that in, that in the church there is no, and in God's eye, there is no difference between man or woman. All are equal in terms of value, in terms of inheriting the kingdom of God. So this does not mean that we cannot have input into our husband's decisions or that we cannot make decisions on our own. It means that we freely submit ourselves to be under the authority of our husbands. We support them completely in their decisions when they are made. And it means that we will not fight or rebel or argue or manipulate to get our own way. This is a gift, an expression of our love that we give our husbands. Um, and I, and I, I don't think I said, but it, it doesn't mean that we cannot make decisions. Because there are times when John has been out of town, and I've had to make decisions because I was the one here. So um, it doesn't mean that you never make decisions on your own or that you are incapable of it. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be sensible. And that involves being able to make good decisions. But it does mean that all of this is done under the authority of our husbands. And there's a verse, um, Proverbs 31. This is something I pray <clears throat> for my own life, that God would make it true. Um, Proverbs 31. Let me find it. Uh, actually, it's two verses. 31, 11, and 12. 31, 11 says, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. And number 12, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And I just pray that my husband would be able to trust me, that he knows I'm behind him. That's like what you were sharing, Lana. You were communicating to him, and I think it's something that we, we need to verbally communicate with our husbands, is that we do trust them. And we trust their leadership. And we appreciate the fact that they are leading the family. Um, but I also think when we communicate that to them, it means they can trust us. They know that we are not going to try to uh, slip out from under their authority or in some way manipulate, manipulate in order to get our own way. So... This is very much a part of loving our husbands, is being willing to follow the biblical plan for authority in the family and order in the family. Um, 
when we do this, we are doing it in obedience to God. We are, um, we are trusting him to work through our husband's leadership to accomplish his purposes for our family. And I have seen um, situations in our lives where I thought we should do one thing and John felt like we should do something else. And when I was willing to submit to his authority, God really worked out the situation for better. Um, and uh, if I spoke up and not just communicated my ideas, because it's fine to do that, but insisted repeatedly on trying to make my point, all it did was cause confusion and difficulty and uh, stress in our relationship. But when I was willing to support him, God worked the way he wanted to. And we ended up in the long run doing what I felt like we should do, but according to God's plan and timing and not mine. And it was really better for our family that we did it that way. Um, so that's my personal testimony, testimony on that. We submit out of obedience to God, trusting him to work through our husband's leadership. But God's standard for submission... How are we doing? Okay. But God's standard for submission is not just living in our, under our husband's authority not just enduring his leadership or putting up with um, kind of rolling our eyes, uh, putting up with something because we have to, but it means that we respect him. It's an even higher standard seeking to support him. And like I said, not just enduring his leadership, hoping that at some point he comes to our way of thinking. Because we've also, I've also experienced times when I really felt like we should do one thing. John felt like we should do something else. And when I followed him, he was exactly right and I was wrong. Because again, like Lana and I were talking earlier, he has the ability to see on down the road the consequences of his decisions. Where I tend to focus more on the here and now. And uh, when we are working together... Those are very helpful to each other. Uh, but I have to be willing to let him look on down the road and not get bogged down in the details. Because, um, because God's put him in the position of making the ultimate decision. So, um, let's look at these verses. I lost my train of thought. Okay, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. Um, Salome, can you, Salome, I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce your name correctly. When we are in Cameroon, uh, uh, Noella's sister wants to be, has the same name you do, but she wants to be called Salome. So now I'm trying to remember okay. to call you the way you pronounce your name, Salome. <laughs> so you'll have Anyone to... Well, you'll have to forgive me if and know that I'm at least trying. So why don't you read 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. You can read it from the screen or you can read it from your Bible. Okay. 1 Peter 3, 
one do two in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior okay we're going to talk about the kind of go through this verse um breaking it down into parts but at the first i wanted you just to see how powerful our behavior is in terms of influencing our husbands not in a manipulative way but that's just uh, what god has chosen to use in their lives um, they may be one without a word and this is talking about husbands who are disobedient to the word and there's a lot of debate over whether they're non-believers or whether they are just not obedient to something the bible teaches but it says regardless of what the situation is they may want be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior so showing our husbands respect has a huge, huge emphasis and effect on him. Oh, we, we skipped Ephesians 5.33, but that says, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. That's how Paul closes out the chapter on marriage in Ephesians, is talking about how important it is for us to respect our husbands. Our husbands need our respect. They need respect, but they especially need our respect. Our husbands have made themselves more vulnerable to us than to anyone else in their lives. So it's a precious gift that we hold. And if we um, treat them with respect so that uh, they are not threatened or belittled or feel inadequate, um, that has a very powerful impact over their lives. Um, at the very beginning of this verse, it says, in the same way. And if you look at 1 Peter 2, the very end of that chapter, it has the verse, uh, 1 Peter 2.24, that says, um, He himself wore our sins in his body on the tree, that you might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you have been healed talking about Jesus on the cross. And then here it says, in the same way. So it's talking about just as Jesus gave his life sacrificially for us on the cross, we make the sacrifice to be submissive and to live lives that are chaste and respectful with our husbands out of love for the Lord, out of love for our husbands, and because God asks us to, out of obedience to God. Submission is powerful because it is obedience to God, and God rewards obedience. We are submitting first to God and then to our husbands, giving him the gift of our respect. Way up in um, Ephesians 5.22, let me go back to that. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. If we are willing to submit to God, that is the only way that we can be willing to submit ourselves to our husbands because we know then that God is in control and we have placed ourselves under God's authority. Therefore, our husband's authority is um, 
underneath the umbrella of God's authority, if that's makes if that makes sense. Okay, let me go back down to where we were. We're talking about respect. Okay, so that's the importance of respect, and the Bible says that we need to show it to our husbands. Now, how do we do that? How do we show respect for our husbands? Okay. Um, the first way, the primary way, is public honor, especially with my speech. Not just public, we need to speak to him respectfully all the time, but specifically in public, it has a huge impact on our husbands when we treat him respectfully in public with our speech. Ephesians 4.29. Jodine, can you read that, please? Uh, yeah. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, we want our words to build up, not tear down. And that's what it's talking about here. So only such a word is as good for edification. That means building up according to the need of the moment. And sometimes that's key too, is do you need to say it right now or can it wait until later? That it may give grace to those who hear. To suit the occasion and to make our husbands look good in the eyes of others. We don't mean to interrupt him, use sarcasm, criticize him before others. If he tells a story and uses incorrect details, I don't need to correct him publicly. And sometimes I have to almost bite through my tongue. Not because he is making so many more mistakes than I do, because I probably make as many or more, but just because there's bursts forth this need to um, speak the truth, <laughs> mainly it's not thinking before I speak. So um, I just don't need to correct him publicly. If you do this, it can become a habit and it can become a conversational um, habit so that your speech to each other is uh, sharp and harsh and that doesn't honor him. And it's also not the model we want to give to our children, because if I speak to my husband that way, they are going to pick up on that, and they will begin speaking that way to him, to me, and to others. So um, it is a uh, an issue that we just need to be on top of, to honor him publicly, especially with my speech. Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him is as rottenness in his bones. A crown is an enhancement. Someone who is wearing a crown is set apart as royalty, and people are going to uh, notice them and appreciate them and certainly respect them. But if you, but if you uh, do something which causes rottenness, then that's like a cancer. That's something that destroys him. 
And again, like I was saying early, earlier, we have the power as wives because of our closeness to our husbands and just because of the, the relationship, we have the power to um, have a really negative effect, even destroy him in terms of his confidence. So that's our choice. Do I want to be a crown or a cancer? Do I want to honor him publicly with my speech? As Proverbs 11.22 says, As a ring of gold and a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. So just as inappropriate as a gold ring would be in a pig's nose, so is it inappropriate for a woman to lack discretion. Avoid venting sessions with other women where you talk about your husbands. Even with women in your family, some things should not be shared with anyone else. Be, and then be careful of gossip sessions, which we call prayer groups. So we've talked about this before, so I won't belabor the point. But it just continues to be an issue. If it's not honoring to my husband, I do not need to say it in public. All it is going to do is cause him hurt. And God won't honor. Um, it's, it's not going to bring us closer. It's going to divide us. And that's not what God wants. And it's certainly not showing love to him. Um, like I said earlier, I think most of the time we're just thinking without, we're speaking without thinking. But we need to be a little slower in speech and think a little more before we speak. Matthew 12, 34 ends up saying, For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. We need to choose carefully what we read, watch, listen to, TV, movies, music, books, internet, the people we are around the most. Um, all of that is input into our brains. And what goes into our brains... Uh, which basically is filling the heart, what we think about, what becomes part of our uh, kind of mental storehouse is going to eventually come out in our speech. If we take in good things and wholesome things, that that's going to be what, um, what comes out of our mouths. If we take in foul things and put before our eyes things that we should not be looking at, uh, then that is going to be revealed in our speech and in our attitude towards our husband. One, um, one thing you can use as kind of a gauge for this, especially when it comes to TV and visual images, is think, now, in my grandparents' lifetime, did, how many people did they see get murdered? How many people did they see uh, with husbands and wives without clothes on, or men and women, without clothes on before each other? Uh, what kind of uh, words did they use around each other? Because that's how much society has changed just in two generations. So we need to um, just be mindful of that. And again, not let the world squeeze us into its mold, but let God transform us into uh, women who love him and who love their husbands and who are um, being a light in a dark world. It's not the world's standards and it's not just being a little bit better 
than the world's standards, but we want to find out what God's standards are and follow them. Okay, well, um, I have some more, but it's three o'clock, so I think what we'll do is save the rest for talking about how to love your husband for next week um, when we get together and um, have a little bit of time if you have questions. I will turn the uh, uh, I'll turn the recorder off.